0: The Writer's Room, a Seventh Sea podcast, is endorsed by Chaosium, Inc. For more information, visit www.chaosiuminc.com forward slash Seventh Hello, friends. Come on in. Officer Keith has fluffed the pillows. Officer Nightingale is helping Gregory make tea for all of us. And we have two new officers, Officers V and Covington. And they are going to be here for moral support today, because it is going to be an emotional episode. I'm going to warn you right now, tensions are high and emotions are thick. I hope you have your emotional support animal or pillow or whatever it is that you hold to help get you through these rough times. But before we dive deep into that, I have a few announcements to make. Our discord as of today has reached 150 members. And while that might not seem like a large number compared to perhaps 10,000 listens, I want you to know that it takes about 150 people to run a war effectively. So, in essence, we do have a ready and able crew of people. It's wonderful to know that all of you are with us. I don't often speak for Evan and Patrick, but in this case I can. We're all very grateful for you, and we love That you love what we do. If you haven't joined the Discord yet, by all means please do. It is hands of the rose with a little rose emoji, and the symbol is our black flag, which is a skull and crossbones with roses on it. From there you can find all sorts of channels, from hearing other people's tales of their 7th Sea games, to seeking 7th Sea support for help with mechanics or running your own, to even play-by-plays and live reacts to new episodes, you can find everything that you need or would want to find on La Rosa Blanca in our Discord. The link for it is easiest to find through our link tree, which will also lead you to all of our wonderful partners and sponsors. And thank you to all of you who have joined and who have helped support us all this way. Now, let's begin. <clears throat> Article 31 All Hands. The camera dissolves from black, and instead of it fading to the edges, we see two black lines at the bottom and at the top of the camera's lens. In between those two black lines is the image of La Rosa Blanca sailing the seas. The sun has not yet risen, but we can see on the horizon red and gold and pink and orange streaks beginning to creep up. We can hear, distantly, the voice of Charles shouting orders as La Rosa Blanca begins to stop. The ship weighs anchor, the sails begin to tuck as they are stowed for the day, and a red sun rises over the horizon. At the same time the sun is peaking the coastline, we hear a deep rumble in the ocean next to La Rosa Blanca, and out from the sea, like a fish jumping from the water, rises the nightingale. And when she lands, she is no longer a writhing creature. She is once again a barkentine. The camera zooms in to see Mamakoko release the helm. And as she comes back to herself, she begins to rub underneath her eyes. She takes the blindfold off and wrings all of the seawater out of it, walks to the edge of the railing, finds it with her hands, and we hear Wayland shouting to her, guiding her to the rowboat. The camera slow cuts to both of them in the rowboat now, heading back to La Rosa Blanca. And the two bars on the top and the bottom of the camera lens are gone. So Mama Coco has her eyes shut and is letting you do the rowing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she's also very tired. She doesn't appear to have anything else wrong with her other than, you know, every once in a while there's a seashell that just kind of like falls out of her hair. There's like a piece of kelp stuck in her belt. After a while, looks up at you. Willand. Yes? You know that there's a reckoning coming. common. Yeah. I'm in conflict right now. You see, I understand what it's like to have an entity take control of you.
1: I mean, to some extent, I've experienced it myself.
0: I think out of all of us, we can't put blame on him. I don't want anything to happen to Jesse. Neither do I. But we gotta take into account that not everybody is gonna see it the same way that we do.
1: It's my fault.
0: Ah, Waylon, this ain't about you. I know, you. I
1: know, I know. I'm working on it. And I know to some extent that it's not me anymore, but I can't not take responsibility for my actions and how they led to this.
0: You are responsible for Brandon. him. He is responsible for everything that happened afterwards. The path that Jesse took and the decisions that he made are all on him. He made those choices. Not you. You're right. I know I'm right. You just gotta listen for once.
1: (laughs) You know he might kill me. I mean, I'm resilient, but he might try.
0: Yeah, well, one thing at a time, alright? We gotta sort all this out first.
1: There needs to be a plan of action in place. A plan moving forward.
0: Wayland, the plan of action is the charter. Now we gotta have a vote to see if Jesse can even remain as captain anymore.
1: If you don't want to be involved i'm obviously i'm not going to force you
0: i don't think my voice carries any weight here
1: but verison you of all people could be the difference between jesse remaining captain or not
0: well and there's a lot of people on that ship who are confused hurt and angry by what they saw right
1: there's a balance that needs to be struck people's feelings need to be validated And there's a lot of people who feel scared, I don't know, lied to.
0: They don't understand. And for some of them, it might not be for them to understand. But first things first, no more secrets and no more lies. And that includes you too, but we'll get to that after this.
1: No, I I agree. It would only serve to complicate matters further and drive everyone further apart.
0: I'll say what I gotta say and urge Jesse to do the same." And you dock up alongside the Rose. Jesse, you're in the bilge and you're in the brig. It's really easy to tell when the ship is moving down here because you're in the water. You can hear the waves change in pattern and you feel La Rosa Blanca come to a stop. And you hear the chain anchor, muffled obviously by the bulkhead, lower into the water, and sink. Is it morning already? You hear a grunt of affirmation. You've been down here long enough that your eyes have adjusted to the darkness so you can see a little bit. She stops moving, and she was on all fours. She stands up on her hind legs, and you... Hear her groan in pain and see her stretch out and stand up, slam her hand up against the wall, breathe heavily, and then you hear her say, in that pain voice, (laughs) Don't breathe. She walks over to you and sits in front of the
2: cage. He sits cross-legged in front of her but not looking directly in her eyes. I've caused so many people on this ship pain, and he lays his hand out on the boards in front of her. The last thing I want to do right now is cause you any more.
0: She reaches her hand over yours, and instead of placing hers on top, she scoops yours into hers and gently holds your hand as if it were the most precious kitten. And she says, in a riddle... What can you hold in your left hand, but never
2: with the other? Well, technically everything.
0: For a long time she doesn't say anything. She just sits there and her eyes are laser-focused on you. Never mind. Her other hand slides into the brig and lays it down flat. And she motions with her claws to your right hand.
2: He lays it down.
0: And this one, she closes a little tighter. Not to hurt you at all. And she looks you in the eyes. And again, that pained voice comes. Not your fault. And she squeezes both of your hands.
2: Thank you. What is broken when it is not
0: held? Hmm. A promise. And there is a deep growl of acceptance and affirmation and reassurance as she squeezes your hands to confirm that for you and opens up the cage for you.
2: I plan on having us reintroduce ourselves one day. It's the people we are meant to be.
0: And she says, close to your ear, so it's not as pained for her. I am Ursa. I
2: am with you. Again, thank you.
0: And Ursa lumbers behind you as you walk up top deck. When you make it up top decks, and your feet clear the threshold from the stairs to the planks, no one says, Captain on deck. In between the two masts rests a lonely stool.
2: Goes over and sits down.
0: When you sit down, the camera is going to be focused on you. What do we see?
2: Jesse looks like hell. He looks ragged. His coat is fine, but he looks shabby and tattered. Doesn't have his hat first time ever. His hair is not blowing in the breeze. It looks like a mop on his head. It's kind of long and it just sits over in his face. It just looks sad. Like a sad excuse for a man.
0: Charles is unrolling a line and that line crosses the ship horizontally from one mast to the other. On one side is you and Ursa. On the other side is everyone else? And Charles walks across the line and is standing off to Jesse's right and everybody else's left so that everybody can see him. All hands before the mast. And Charles unfurls a piece of paper. Now I don't need to tell you all what this is, but I feel it be my duty to recite a few things for you. The first being Article 13. When a crimson sun or moon rises, we lay low. Hence why we've stopped. And then there's Article 9. No hand may strike another. And there's Article 2. The right of yield. Any enemy may ask for yield, and no hand may come to harm them. And his eyes turned to Jesse. Which ties us neatly. And sweet to Article 1. All hands to vote on affairs. He rolls up the charter and tucks it into his vest. All hands. We're voting to see if Jesse should remain captain after his actions. Because I don't know about you Law. And he turns his body to the rest of the crew, away from Jesse. If I was going to shed innocent blood, I would have signed a charter that's already read. We ain't those kind of pirates. As far as I was made aware, we had a code, and we had honor. And last night... Charles turns on his heel to stare at you, Jesse. I couldn't find any of it from you. So I'll start the vote. I say nay, because if you can't even control yourself, then what right do you have to control the lot of us? Charles turns his back to Jesse, and steps across the line, and leans himself against the railing, his arms crossed tight over his chest. The camera doesn't move as it stays focused on Charles, but we hear angry footsteps approach, and Agnes is at his side, leaning close to Charles. Charles doesn't look at her, but he says a few quiet words in a language that the camera doesn't quite catch, and Agnes simply nods her head slowly and turns to look out at the ocean, completely turning her back to Jesse. Hawthorne walks up to the line and looks at Jesse. I don't rightly care who runs the ship. Then they turn on their heel to face the rest of the crew. There is one thing that my mentor taught me and that is never get involved in the politics. So, have your vote. I abstain. I have work to do. And they walk away from the line past both of the masts, past everyone, and continue doing their work. Ursa only grunts and stands up and she taps her chest twice and says in that pained voice, I know
2: how it
0: feels. And sits behind Jesse. Mama Coco, Klaus, Roz, Jory, and Boots all have a vote as well. It is now time for the risk. Let me lay out the consequences first. The majority is nay. Jesse will not be captain. And according to the charter, Charles will take captaincy of La Rosa Blanca because Mama Coco does not want to be captain. Mechanically, you will lose access to the journey mechanic, granting you no bonuses while you're on the rows for the rest of this journey, and you'll lose part of the ship, part of the crew. If the votes are tied, Jesse will remain captain, but will be on a probation. He will have to run any and all of his plans involving the crew and the ship through Mama Coco and Charles. You'll have limited access to the journey mechanic, granting only one bonus rather than the two you normally get, but you still lose the part-of-the-ship, part-of-the-crew advantage. And if the votes say "I," Jesse will remain captain without probation, but you still lose the part-of-the-ship, part-of-the-crew advantage. And the other big thing about this risk, and this is the first time ever for the writer's room, all of your ship bonuses do not apply. You don't get the extra raise, you cannot activate charles or agnes's virtue or hubris there's an opportunity here elliot is not part of the crew so he does not get a sway vote it's not that his voice doesn't matter it's that the politics of the ship deem that he is irrelevant however elliot is about facts he can see between the lines and so if a raise is spent towards elliot he'll bring up crucial facts that cannot be ignored And you'll recover the part of the ship, part of the crew advantage. And you must make 15s. This is meant to be difficult.
2: Well, it's a good thing I got five hero points from last time.
0: Yep. Use those hero points.
1: Quick question. Quick answer. How long has it been in-game since Wayland's learned about Jesse's secret? It was the Kraken fight. Like a month or two?
0: I'd say a month and a half. So you've known for a good long while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm wondering if it is a good idea for Wayland to not mention that he knew.
0: So my advice is to be as honest as you can. Barring, obviously, Samwell's secret. I agree. So how are you guys approaching this?
1: Sewing. Mm, yes, Patrick. Does finesse apply only to physical things.
0: Finesse represents your hero's quickness and nimbleness. If you want to get across a burning room using finesse, you would dodge the burning debris and flames, making sure you didn't get burned. You can also use finesse for fencing, picking pockets, and other problems that can be solved with speed and dexterity. Convince me.
1: (laughs) So here's the thing. I'm going empathy with my skill, and I was leaning either resolve or wits but neither of those really fit in my eyes and i feel like finesse with the empathy understanding everybody's perspective and is going to be choosing his words very carefully
2: here there is a sort of verbal dexterity that you have to travel through
1: and i feel like finesse fits that bill
0: you need to be the negotiator here you need to have a calm, cool, level head.
1: Yeah, this is a situation where facts don't care about your feelings.
0: Facts don't care about your feelings. You hear that? <laughs> You've convinced me. Yeah, I'll take it. Take finesse. Fuck yeah. I know it says something different in the book, but guess the fuck what? It's my game. I can do whatever I want.
1: It's also like interesting things are up for interpretation sometimes.
0: And take two for flair. Absolutely, fucking Evan? What do we got for Jesse? How's Jesse approaching this?
2: I kind of feel like he's on the opposite end of that spectrum. Yes, he's got to be careful with his words, but I think more than anything, he just wants to be as open as possible. He feels unfit to be captain. It's not like you realize you've done something wrong, and at that point where you've accepted it and everybody's still mad at you, and you're like, yep, yeah, yeah, I, you're right to be upset. Right
1: to be mad. Huh. Damn. I see. Which might work in your favor. This is one of those situations where it feels to me, if that's your approach, that whole, I don't feel worthy, I don't feel fit for this, kind of works in your favor. Showing that humility and that understanding, I don't know, in my eyes, that's pretty damn good. Yeah.
0: So, I would like to bring up a mechanic that we haven't used
2: ever.
1: Oh. It's called the Letter of
2: Mark. (laughs) The King of Castile.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There is a thing called I fail, and at any point during a risk or a sequence or whatever, you can look at me and you can go, I fail. And what that means mechanically is the hero fails to overcome the risk. They miss all of the opportunities and suffer all of the consequences. They get one hero point and describe how they fail. For example, just for posterity in the writer's room, if a hero gets assaulted by a brute squad, the player could say, they capture me, and the GM then gives that player a hero point. The brute squad captures the hero and probably takes him off to someplace dark and dank to wait for the villain. Now, if you fail, you relinquish any agency you have in the vote. That doesn't mean you can't bring up points and you can't roleplay it out, but it just means you can't put any raises towards swaying votes or anything like that because you won't have any raises by choosing to fail. You are not rolling. You're not a part of the risk. So you can do that in this instance, if you wish.
2: Look, do you see what that says there?
0: What is that? Oh, that says captain.
2: Yeah. I'm not getting another one of these. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I got to
2: do whatever the fuck I can to make sure that that okay. swabby Jesse Nichols. <laughs> mm, nope.
1: Doesn't have the same
2: ring. Right now, my best course of action, I think, is probably wits and empathy.
1: Okay. He's got to appeal
2: to the hearts and minds of others, you know? Hearts and minds.
0: Ah, I see the duality here. While Wayland is focused on facts over feelings, you're focused on feelings over facts.
2: Jesse doesn't know the facts. He doesn't know what he's done. A lot of those instances, his subconscious is pushed to the side Well you literally weren't even in your body here. It wasn't even in his body He's fact and feelings
0: Yeah, so wits and empathy? Yep,
2: yeah, i really gotta put something into to convince her empathy
1: I am going to make one argument for a advantage. Sure. And that is eagle eyes, watching people's body language, keeping a keen eye on how everybody's shifting.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely 100% accept that
1: cool
2: beans.
0: Okay. Evan, if you haven't yet, take two for Flare.
2: Is the Charter Luck Pool, is that back up to five?
0: The Charter Luck Pool is back at five, and that is the one thing that you can use. Great. The Charter doesn't care about feelings.
2: <laughs> and this isn't a physical risk.
0: Nope. Wayland, take one helping die from Mama Coco, because of Trusted Companion. Let's go, Mama Coco! You can use... The rose's virtue and hubris.
2: Ah! Oh! Yep. Yeah. Yes, I will definitely be doing that. Okay. I'm gonna be activating the rose's glorious virtue. Ah! When I am the center of attention for the next risk, when I determine raises, every die counts as a raise. Mm,
0: You are in mm, fact the center
1: center of of attention. attention.
2: You're goddamn right you are. Would this also activate my bitterness as well? Oh, yes. When I'm bringing up old grudges?
0: Oh, yes. Right. There are a lot of bad feelings going around, and it is going to get you in trouble. You are in trouble. Yeah. All right. I have laid out the consequences. I've laid out the opportunities. Would you like to spend hero points to help each other? Yes. (sighs) Yes.
2: Oh, absolutely no please
0: <laughs> you don't have to explain to me how i know how it's inherent <laughs> uh-huh. i think it's quite obvious at this point go ahead give yourselves three i'm looking at you patrick
1: yes three extra dice. <laughs> that was so funny was i was just like i may or may not I've only been using one.
0: If you have extra hero points, you can also spend them on yourself. One hero point, one die.
2: So I'm going to spend four hero points
1: and take four extra. Okay. Hey, Pat, how many do you have in your pool? I have, when I finish my ADD and line them up perfectly, 12 so far with the hero points we're spending on each other.
2: I got nine.
0: Nine, okay. Whew,
2: I would be a big fan of... Just dumping that luck pool in my favor, if need be. Because I all of these are going to be raises, so the more raises I get, the better. If I don't have to make 15s.
0: Yeah, you don't have to make 15s. All of your dice count as raises.
2: That's
1: fucking insanity. I mean, I think that makes sense. We're talking to our crew. I don't think that there are any other hero points here that I could use... So I am going to spend my other hero point and I am going to give myself an extra die.
0: I'll give you Naval Officer, earn a hero point when you put the needs of the crew ahead of the needs of the mission. The mission is getting Kazette back. And unfortunately the needs of the crew are ahead of that.
1: We're superseding this at the moment.
0: Yes. So I'll go ahead and give you a hero point for that.
1: Cool. I want that lucky 13.
2: Great, then I'm gonna drain the luck pool and take five additional dice.
0: So how many dice do you have in your pool, Evan?
2: Three for panache, one for empathy, two for flair, three for helping, thanks to Rayland. four hero points turned dice, five luck pool dice. That is 18.
1: 18 races.
0: (sighs) Holy shit. You're gonna need them.
1: I've got four... For finesse, I got two for empathy, we got two for flair, we've got three from the hero point, one for eagle eyes, and one for mama coco.
0: Also, you have the advantage we share our victories. You are helping him take a hero point, so you gain one, you get a hero point. Evan does not gain a hero point because-
2: He sucks.
0: Yeah, he's not helping.
2: He's just a bitch.
1: Correct.
0: How many hero points does everybody have? Just so I have a good idea.
1: I got two. I have one. I'm so happy I have these as well. This is so fucking useful and they look so cool. For anyone who doesn't know, I'm talking about the, the is it Gabon Ebony or Macassar? Those are, I believe those are Macassar ebony. These are Macassar ebony with a brass inlay. And it's our logo, baby. And Evan made them for me for Christmas. And made us up for Zoe for Christmas.
0: Mine's are Macassar ebony and turquoise.
1: And
2: I don't have any yet because they hurt my hands when I made them. They're small. I'd make them for you, but I do not work at Wormwood. <laughs> that is totally fine. I will make my own eventually.
0: All right. Evan, if you want to roll those just for the sake of rolling them, but you have 18 raises. Patrick, I believe you may now roll the bones. You need to make 15s.
1: I need to make 15s? Yeah.
0: 10s are not raises.
1: Okay, so not 10s. Not 10s. We're not looking for 10s. 10s are not 15s.
0: 15s are raises. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's not superb.
2: Uh, Lucy, 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 Lucy. Lucy.
1: Yeah, she's my special little bean.
0: Lucy allows you to reroll as many dice as you want, but you have to keep it.
1: How many dice can I combine to make 15s? As many as would make 15. Fuck it. Let's do a total reroll. Okay. Oh boy. It's worth it. Trust me. That would have been, I would have had three raises. Oof.
0: All right, here we go. Luck of Lucy.
1: Immediately better. Three tens right off the bat. I've got three tens and three fives. It's three raises. I've got a seven, a six, and a two. That's another raise. And then I have two left over. I have four raises. Okay.
0: I will buy both of those remainders. I will take two danger points. You will take two hero points, bringing you to four.
1: Yep. It's the way it goes.
0: That is the way it goes.
1: Better than what I had before.
0: Everybody costs five raises to convince. For Jesse, Roz will cost less. For Wayland, Jory will cost less. And Boots only takes one raise. Lovely. All right. We ready?
1: We are ready. I'm spending
2: 18 raises to win right now. Shovel them out of here.
0: Nope. Doesn't work like that.
1: Wayland's on Jesse's side, right? Dude, Waylon doesn't have a fucking leg to stand on to judge Jesse for what's happened. Are you fucking kidding me? This is all Waylon's fault. The whole reason (laughs) that you made the deal with Jonah is Waylon's fault. Of course he's on your side. Is Waylon done? I don't, don't know. I don't know. Patrick was like, you know what? Fuck
2: Jesse! Fuck Jesse!
1: <laughs> Fuck this! I'm just gonna be the biggest possible hypocrite that I can in this moment. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking ruin his whole life. <laughs> I'm gonna ruin your whole career right now.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna ruin this man's whole career.
2: Damn, and I can't even. I, I gotta. I can't even go home because so I'm already here. You're gonna destroy me in my own house.
1: You come into my
2: house, <laughs> drink my rum ruin my character's life take
0: my bird
2: <laughs> and my cool ship and your cool ship Now you, what the fuck you get two yeah I was mm-hmm. trying to get
1: a fleet and you just got two <laughs> so did I I had to earn the right to be able to captain that <laughs> fucking ship I did a shit job but I, I earned it there's a reason I was a captain at such a young age yeah it's cause he throws his best friends under the bus fuck <laughs> shut up <laughs> god damn it oh <laughs> <laughs> Ow. (laughs) Fucking
0: savage.
1: (laughs) Right for the throat. My god, man. (laughs) I love you. I love you. Also, fuck you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If at any point we need to stop because it's getting too intense, we need a sign. The sign should be a word or like a safe word or something. Jenga. All right. So Jenga is the call sign for let's take a break. Let's go get water. Let's recoup let's chill out because this is going to be a emotionally intense session and i care more about you two and me than the game okay
1: you got it boss good
0: safety and gaming
1: good stuff communication at the table we'd love to fucking see it good
0: soup let's begin Weyland, since you are essentially the negotiator here, the median point, Mama Coco is going to have you stand on the rope in the middle where Charles was?
1: I think it is best if I act as a negotiator and mediator. Tensions are high enough and everyone will be heard. Everyone will have a chance to voice their feelings. And we will all have a chance to hear the facts of the matter. I would ask that before any final decisions are made, I urge you all to take those into consideration, and we will have our final vote. Does that sound fair?
0: Everyone nods, or makes some affirmation. That's fair. Mama Coco steps up to the rope. Jesse, all of us know bits and pieces of your story. We don't know the entire truth. That's where this pain comes from. Not knowing. You need to tell us everything. Only then can we make proper judgment if everything is on the table in front of us. That's where the healing starts, right?
2: I, I've been the captain of this ship for a while. Two years ago, my old crew and I were branded by the ATC. Branded pirates and traitors. The Emancipator, they were the ones that branded us. When we took off, they sent the Relentless after us. And for weeks they chased us. In an attempt and save mine and my crew's life, we sailed into the heart of the Seventh Sea itself. Of course unknowingly, unintentionally, and found us dead in the water with no wind. I don't remember how long I was there for without wind. The pure survivability of an animal overcame my crew. One by one they left in pure desperation and madness. I lost them. I wanted to leave. That was the only thing I could think about it was just a gust. That's all I needed, a single breath from the skies to take me out and back into familiar waters. And it never came. Now I owe my life to this ship and to her people. So I wasn't going to go till she went. But she never did. I felt caged and helpless. I had two options. First option was to throw myself overboard and swim until I found something. Whether it was a lifeless seat at the bottom of the ocean or to call for help. I got desperate, I was so afraid of the a t c finding me and that brand that I got rid of it. I killed two birds with one stone. Jesse pulls his glove off slowly show the snob. I gave my hand to the sea. I made a deal with the devil. I gave him my hand. This glove is what he gave me. This is what allows me to do what I can do.
0: Then why didn't you say anything during the Magus Manifest?
2: I never said anything during the Magus Manifest because I am not innately a sorcerer. I have no sorcerer's capabilities. It is all because of this.
0: By that logic, the only people that should have filled out the Magus Manifest was Agnes and Cosette. Because they are the only people that were born with magic. All the rest of us got it through other means. Your hand ain't no different.
2: Uh, I'm sorry.
0: I know why you hid it from us. We're pirates. We all fear the devil's ilk. And Queen Bonaventura doesn't take kindly to those who choose to find their faith in that devil. But we're not just a ragtag bunch of pirates, Jesse. You said it yourself when we were signing the charter. We're family. We would have accepted this. Granted, yeah, it would have taken some time. But because you decided to lie to us and keep it a secret, now it's going to take a lot longer. You not only have to wait for our acceptance, but you got to earn our forgiveness
2: too. I'm going to figure this all out. I'm going to make it work.
0: You know there's no more I in that sentence, right? We're going to figure it out. Whether you intended to or not, we're all involved now. Mama Coco is rubbing her forehead with her fingers and her thumb and running it across the bridge of her nose.
2: I should have been more open with you, Verison. You were the first to join the Rose after all of that. I'm sorry.
0: Alright, so this hand can help you breathe underwater. That's what we can guess. So why don't you tell us what it can do?
2: So, here's the thing. I'm still figuring out whatever sort of supernatural abilities this gift does for me. I suppose what I can do with it. When I was stranded, I found out pretty quickly that I could manipulate the wind and storms. That's how I managed to get back to Aragosta by myself. And... During our encounter with the Kraken, I felt something else awake in it. Like recalling a memory. I was able to move the water and breathe like a damn fish. I can feel more of my own influence on it, too. If I focus a little bit more, I... I don't know. Who knows what else I'll find.
0: Charles tells me that the whole ocean froze for a little bit, and everything got real cold. That wasn't you?
2: That was Jonah.
0: I'm spending a danger point. (laughs) Charles has crossed the planks, and has his fist raised to strike you in the face. Fish a lot! Before the blow can land, we see Ursa's claws grab around Charles's arms, pin them to his sides, and pick him up bodily. He swears in visceral Avalonian as he struggles against Ursa's grasp.
1: Charles, we do not raise hands to anyone aboard this ship. I understand. Don't you fucking
0: lie to me! You don't understand a goddamn thing! Charles... The only thing I want to hear out of your goddamn mouth is how long Jonah has been around my blessed sister! He hasn't. Are you trying to lie to me even now?! Charles is struggling against Ursa's grip, but she is holding fast.
2: Who was it, exactly, that was trying to kill me last night? What were you trying to do? I didn't try to do anything. Pray forgive me, that sounds crazy, but- The only crazy thing here
0: is that you think you're gonna keep that hand after this! I'll take the whole fucking arm! Ursa, let me go! I
2: wanna
1: spend a raise for mediation purposes. Yes. Mr. Radford.
0: Charles snaps his head so suddenly that you swear it might have broken his neck. Oh, what? You on your bullshit again? You gonna spew some fuckery to me about how this is all gonna be okay?
1: No, not at all.
0: So what's gonna stop him from trying to kill us in our sleep, then?
1: I know that fear when something dark and malevolent, active or not, is around someone you deeply care about.
0: Charles gets unnaturally calm takes a very deep breath and stares at you dead in the eyes, his gaze unwavering. You don't get it. I would violate every article of every charter. I would burn every ship to ashes. And I would stain the Atabayan red if it meant that the devil never laid his hands on my sister again. And your eagle eyes can pick up so much out of his stare. There is a deep-seated terror behind the anger. And it is not for himself. It is not for any one of you. It is for his beloved sister. And you know without a doubt that he would be true to his word. Come what may.
1: What Charles is experiencing right now, all of that fear, Wayland has seen that realized in his own life. And there is that pain in their voice. I know that pain. I will not see you break the charter. I will not see anyone on this ship break the charter. Now what we do when we are off this ship, when we have reached our destination, when we have rescued Kizet, when we are home and safe, that is a different matter. But right now, we need to see this through properly. Please. Charles.
0: His head slowly turns to you, and when he locks eyes with yours, you see it. You see the fear that you wanted to invoke in Mad Mave. You recognize the abject horror from facing down ATC soldiers you fought against. You see unbridled terror masked behind rage when he looks at you.
2: You may never understand this, but in my care, your sister has never been safer in her life.
0: Just like how we've never been safer in our lives. I, no, I don't believe you. Charles takes several long, deep breaths, and finally looks at Ursa. I'm alright now. Sorry for the trouble. I swear on the circle it won't happen again. Ursa grunts and puts Charles down. He turns his back to the captain, walks past Mama Coco. She puts her hand on his shoulder briefly. There are no words shared, just a single moment. And then Charles walks back to the railing, folds his arms tight across his chest, and waits with Agnes. Mama Coco turns her body to face Jesse. Why didn't you tell any of us?
2: I never told any of you about this, because I thought I could handle it. And I can.
0: What do you mean by
2: that? What happened last night was not of my own doing. Was not of Jonah's doing, neither. It was the doing of Mad Maeve. Wayland's eyes go wide. She has orchestrated a deal with Jonah to get me closer to him. And while that deal was successful in the moment, that is over. Jonah was in my body last night. Where were you? The Black Freighter, north of Vestimon Avenue.
0: <sighs> Mama Coco shuts her eyes and lowers her head folds her arms over her chest, cocks a hip out, as though she is having a private conversation with herself, or possibly processing all of the knowledge that has been dropped. She finally opens her eyes and turns to face the crew. I've been with Jesse the longest. I want everybody to say their are peace, and then I will cast my vote. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, understood.
0: Mama Coco walks the length of the rope, and finally comes to rest, sitting cross-legged on the deck, leaning against the main mast.
2: He looks to everyone. I need you all to know, the friendships and relationships I share with you are truly genuine. There has never been a hint of a lie in any of that.
0: There are only two people that are really affected by that sentence. The first and most obvious one is Raz. He physically looks hurt by that sentence.
2: I have always been truthful with all of you.
0: Raz steps towards the rope. Capitan! <sighs> Senor Nakanta, withholding the truth is just as bad as a lie. And personally, for me, I thought that we had a deeper bond. You found me at my worst. And you gave me a reason, a purpose, again. And you helped me find what I had always been looking for. And with this reveal, it feels like... A betrayal? I thought that we were amigos. I thought that I was more than just... just a man in the rigging.
2: Raz, you are one of my greatest friends. You're a brother of mine.
0: If I am truly your hermano, then why did you hold that from me?
2: I withheld that from you, because I thought I was protecting you.
0: And what good did that do? Jesse, terrible things could have happened last night. If it wasn't for the Charter, I don't think we would have survived. You would have come back and all of us would have been killed. Or worse.
2: I thought that what I was doing was keeping you safe.
0: Jesse, we were about as safe as a caged bird. You should have thrown us in the brig and bound our hands together. By hiding that from us, you blindsided us. You lamed us. You robbed us of any way to help you. To save you. My Capitano was all about freedom and honor and honesty. My Capitano spoke about family... And how we were all together in this, and we wouldn't lie to each other, and that we would always be here for one another. And so now I feel like my Capitano's gone, and that I don't even know what kind of man you are anymore.
2: How much is Roz?
0: Raz is only three raises.
2: Then I'm spending three raises for Raz. Raz, you know exactly the man that I am. I have to protect everyone here. I can't let what happened in the Seventh Sea happen again. I can't lose all of you.
0: Roz is standing on the deck, and we all know that he doesn't like to stand on the deck because the planks are cold.
2: could always put on a pair of shoes, but that's not him.
0: He walks over, and he stands in front of you, Jesse. Crouches so that you're both eye level. I know that you don't want to lose all of us, but we don't want to lose you either. I know the loss that you feel. Perhaps not on a grand scale as you, but I understand. And if I were in your position, and if it was to protect the one I love... His eyes darted up to Ursa and then back to Jesse. I would have done the same. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I forgive you. But from now on, hermano y hermano, you tell me what's happening with you and what's going on. Even if you don't even understand what's going on yourself... Just say something. And I, for one, will try to help you through it. See? Si? Aye. And he holds out his hand.
2: Jesse lifts his stump.
0: Roz takes it and puts his hand over top, shakes it once. Bueno, Capitano. Thank you, Roz. And continues to stand on the deck, even though he is starting to shiver slightly. But he stands next to Ursa and stands a little closer.
1: Gotta get that boy some leg. Five finger shoes.
0: Nope, they don't exist. They don't <laughs> exist right now.
2: <laughs> Not unless we put it in a story.
1: I will invent them. <laughs> exactly. That's
2: part of Roz's story. Are you the man with the five finger shoes? See.
1: Si. <laughs> <laughs> After that, Klaus walks up. Well, nods his head.
0: May I be permitted to seize a hand?
2: Is he referring to the glove or the. St-
0: yes. Both your injury and the glove.
2: Um, Jesse. He lifts both up.
0: Klaus walks over, adjusts his spectacles, and the first thing that he examines is your stump. With a very professional manner, he is turning it, looking at the stitches. Pretty gnarly. Lifts up your sleeve a little bit to get a little bit more of your forearm.
2: Over time, Everything above his stump, like from where the glove is above, is almost like burned. There were
0: black lines in your veins, beginning at the wrist and leading into your forearm. I think now they're in your forearm, probably to your elbow.
2: Jonah's influence is pulling and tugging at the skin in not a great way.
0: And he lifts up your shirt a little bit more. His brow furrows at the singeing and he touches it. Does that hurt? No. And then he squeezes tightly, and he keeps squeezing and keeps squeezing and keeps squeezing until the impressions around his fingertips where he's squeezing are white. And he is fully pressing on your forearm.
2: The glove in his hand
1: starts to wrap its fingers. Wayland has a keen eye on the glove. Uh, Klaus.
0: Klaus was watching the glove the moment that it moved.
2: There's a reason why I keep these on.
0: Yivel. He hands it back to you, not before looking inside of it. What does Klaus see?
2: He sees his skeletal-ass hand, sun-bleached bone. And if he looks hard enough, he could see the brand.
0: Klaus doesn't bat an eyelash at that. And he hands it back to you and steps back to the rope and takes off his glasses and puts them in a pocket. There is a saying, Nisen, Failure to report a bite means the living will not seize a light. There were creatures in Aizen that could turn you. A single bite could kill you in moments and then raise you as one of them hours afterwards. Once you were bitten, it was mandatory for you to speak up about it, to warn your fellow soldiers and they would properly deal with you. If you did not report your bite, when we carried you to the barracks to try and help you, and you died, we sometimes weren't able to deal with the corpse immediately, and so it would stay. And then hours later, we would find that the entire barracks was turned. Failure to say something, almost always, resulted in the ending of not only your life, but everyone around you. While this case is not that. It is similar, because by failing to let us know, That the devil could work through your hand or even take over your body, regardless of the circumstances behind it. You could have killed all of us. What you thought you were doing was very selfless. However, in the eyes of some of us here, it was very selfish, and that is very hard to forgive.
2: I mean for you not to forgive me, Klaus. I only mean for you to understand.
1: If I may, I'd like to offer a perspective.
0: Klaus nods and gestures towards you to continue. second opinions are often welcomed, by all means.
1: I want you to know that I ask this with full respect and understanding of your abilities. Have you ever had a patient who knew they had cancer, who knew that their body was riddled with a disease, who knew that they didn't have much time, felt doomed from the start, and didn't come to you until it was too late, because that fear of confirmation. Every dark outcome they imagined in their quietest moments would be affirmed for them.
0: Klaus does sigh heavily and nods his head solemnly.
1: After getting that diagnosis, have they then not told their friends, their family, their loved ones? And he looks around to everybody because of that fear that it would hurt them, that it would cause them more pain than not knowing.
0: He smiles sadly. The sad fact is that they did come to me too late, and yavol, I did affirm for them that was the outcome. But I also told them that if they had come to me sooner, I perhaps could have avoided that. Personally, I would have done all in my power to make sure that that was not the outcome. I would have tried everything, but because that fear drove them to... Wait. There was nothing that I could do but ease their suffering. And we learn all too late that carrying that burden is what will bury you.
2: This is not a burden I want to share with everyone. This weight is too heavy to hold.
0: Well, now you know that that's not true.
2: Ah, uh, well, yeah. I mean, that sort of guy of got fucked up, huh?
0: <laughs> the serious look on Klaus's face, the professional doctor look, lightens a bit at the levity. He takes out his glasses and begins to unfold them. Sir, so good. We can still joke about it, which means not all is lost. Now, this gift appears to be taking over your body. I can see to that. And if you'll allow me. And he puts his glasses on the bridge of his nose and pushes them up just so the sun glints them. <laughs>
2: Fucking enemies. <an amazing. laughs>
0: I can perhaps try to find a way to rid you of the curse that you carry. But in order to do that, I need to know everything that's going on with your body and with your curse. No longer will you come to me and tell me you don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And if you get hurt again, you will immediately come to me for care. And not wait for things to get worse. It is in your best interest and the best interest of everyone here to seek immediate medical attention when you need it. You have said that your mood is influenced by the devil, and if you are in pain, you are more susceptible to anger and fear. And if something like that does happen again, for everyone's safety, I will take off whatever I have to. I made a promise to this crew that I would take care of their well-being, that does not exclude you, Captain. Jawohl.
2: I will spend five raises, and Jesse says, <laughs> Dr. Zodis
0: Sehr gut. And he steps over the rope to Jesse's side. Now, Jory tentatively steps forward to the rope. And then he looks at Agnes, looks down at his feet. Um, I... I've, I've got leave to speak freely, right, sir? He looks at Jesse and then looks at Wayland and then looks at Charles, shakes his head and and stops rubbing his arm and throws his arms up, and he's like, I'm going to assume that it's okay for me to speak freely and
1: just and just
0: say whatever it is that's on my tongue right now. I, Jari. I'm so fucking confused.
1: What's confusing you?
0: So I get that Jesse wasn't in his mind, and that he was attacking the ATC. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Aren't we a pirate ship? Isn't that our job?
2: No, Jerry. Not those who are unarmed. Jury, I thought
1: that way as well. Up until very recently. I had it in my mind that every member of the ATC were to be damned. To join an organization such as theirs, who hurt people, who victimize others, who are actively Trying to control the Atabayan, if not the world itself, to take away freedoms. How could someone who joins an organization such as that be any sort of benevolent or good? How could they have a heart? And he lets that hang for a moment. It's recently come to my attention that there are several members of the ATC. Sailors. Captains. Captains. That did not join by choice. That's what the ATC does. When they take away freedoms, they take away people's choice. And sometimes the only way to survive
2: is to make your own.
1: There are, were innocent people on that ship. There are people who did not choose to work for the ATC.
0: As you're explaining, Jory's getting more confused. We can see the confusion on his face. He's biting his lip. He's... Running his hand through the back of his hair. He's got his hands on his knees. Like, he's trying to process everything that you're saying, and it's just not sticking. For whatever reason, it's just not working for Jory. He can't understand it. And he's getting frustrated because he can't understand. Jory is three for Wayland.
1: I am so fucking pissed that I don't have enough raises to put Elliot in here. But what happens, happens. I'm giving this to Elliot. Fuck yeah. Spending one
2: raise on our sweet boy, Elliot. this
1: seems like a good time to give some
2: explanation.
0: Elliot walks past you, Wayland.
1: Wayland snaps his head the moment that happens.
0: And walks up to Jory and gets on his knees on the planks in front of him. Oh, uh, uh, Sir Elliot, I didn't know that you were here. No, no, no. no. Sorry, I would have... That's okay. Jory, is it? Aye, sir. Jory, you're from Innismore? Aye, sir. It's like the Fae. And what I mean by that is... The ATC are not all inherently bad or good. It is in their nature to deceive, to wrong, and to take the freedom of others. So what you're saying, the people don't really have a choice. They don't have freedom. That's just not in it for them, right? Elliot nods. Yes, in a way. It's not exactly like that. They don't follow rules like the Fae do. They don't have absolutes that... Bind them to the existence of the world. Sorry, absolutes, sir? Ah, you might know them as the Three Nevers. Never give your name, never make a promise, never disrupt their nature. Jory nods. Aye, so what are they bound by? And Elliot laughs and says, Nothing. Nothing except what you do. What this crew does. What all the pirates do. And yes, some of them are also not as good as we are, so I hear. But it's because of us that we can balance the scales. Not all of them are bad. A lot of them just don't have a choice, like Jesse. And Elliot stands up, and he's now speaking to the rest of the crew. I'm
1: gonna spend the three raises for Jory to yield my time to Elliot.
0: Yes, I love it. Jesse, you were God knows how long in the Seventh Sea. No one. And he looks around at everyone. He's been to the Seventh Sea and returned. I want to make that perfectly clear. We scholars are in heavy debate about it all the time. When did your provisions run out? (sighs) Early on. So you were starving and thirsty because you can't drink seawater. And no one knows if the Seventh Sea is actually seawater. What about the weather?
2: There wasn't any. Was there sun? Not a cloud in the sky.
0: Dehydration due to sunstroke.
2: The madness takes over your senses and heightens them.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between, what I'm alluding to is that Jesse didn't have a choice when the devil came calling. The devil used that desperation and that despair and that exhaustion and that thirst and that hunger against Jesse. And Jory nods. And everybody is in agreement for that. Even Charles lightens a bit. And Agnes, that stone statue that she was, softens just a bit. And Jory walks over to Jesse. And since you're sitting, you're eye level with him already. And he rubs his hand behind his neck, which is a nervous gesture of his. And he looks at you. Jesse, I, I don't like being lied to. And I know it's not an outright lie. I know you didn't mean to deceive us, but that's what it feels like. And I want you to know that that hurts. And that knowing everything I know now, it's okay. We're going to figure it out. I don't know how, but we're all smart, right? We're all going to band together, and we're still a family, right? That's not going to change. Right. So I'm going to help you in whatever way I can. And if that just means running the guns, then that's fine by me. But should you need me, I'm here. And he holds out his arms. It's okay if I hug you, is that all right, Captain?
2: Aye, Jordy, it's all right. And he gives him a hug with his left arm. Thank you.
0: He holds you and hugs you really tightly and leans in and whispers, You know, we could probably get you a hook for a hand or something.
2: I've thought about it. be so cool that's not my thing all right well if you reconsider it's not off the table yet
0: and he lets go and and stands next to jesse and boots walks over to the rope and shrugs and looks at the captain and says well it doesn't change any dietary needs that i know of (laughs) not a single one just let me know if
2: that hand develops an allergy
0: or something
2: boots that's not how that works, but thank you.
0: Klaus laughs, and Jory kind of chuckles, and Boots walks over to the rope. Mama Coco finally steps forward and stands on Jesse's side. And now with all of that out on a table, we can all start to heal. Because Jory is right. Even though family hurts each other sometimes, we're all still going to be here for each other. We're going to figure this out together.
1: Double-checks that everyone has had a say. Looks to Agnes, raises an eyebrow if she wants to say anything.
0: Agnes makes no motion to walk towards the rope. She makes no indication that she wants to speak. She is stock still. Charles is in a better disposition. He's not going to outright try to kill Jesse now. Right. But he is still angry, and... All of the votes have been swayed to aye, while Agnes and Charles are nay.
1: Thank you, everyone. I know that tensions are still high. I know there are some very real concerns here. Now, Jesse, you've said that this won't happen again, but in all fairness, we didn't know it could happen in the first place. That being said, there are several members of this crew who are cursed, who have someone and something else attached to them that at times we cannot control. I speak as one of those people. We had the Magus manifest so that we could better understand those forces to the best of our abilities, and that we could come up with contingencies should those forces ever reach and supersede the boundaries that we, as individuals, have put in place for them. To me, I see this as no different. There are contingencies we can create. There are plans that we can put in place, that we will put in place. The pain and the fear here is very real. I will not deny it. I fought Jonah yesterday. I looked into his eyes, and I saw nothing but the abyss and hatred. And he looks to Jesse. Beyond being our captain, Jesse Nakonsa is still my friend. And that burden that you carry is not yours alone to bear. Not anymore. We know now, and we will do everything in our power to ensure that something like this doesn't happen again. And should it, we'll be prepared. We're family, but we don't give up on each other. And Wayland steps from his position in the middle of the rope, and he walks over to Jesse's side.
0: Charles, who initiated all of this, steps up to the rope, takes a long look at Jesse and at everybody on the other side. All hands According to the votes, and abiding by our charter, Jesse Nakansa remains captain. And he picks up the rope and begins to wind it, puts it over his shoulder. What are your orders, sir? Everybody looks to the captain for orders.
2: The morning light we make way northwest, towards the New World. We are finding the Sang-de-Ris and Cosette.
0: Mama Coco steps up beside you. And what of the nightingale and... A crew.
2: Wayland, a moment. He beckons you over.
1: Wayland comes over. I have thoughts. As do I. There are members of that crew who were, who are Avalonian nationals, who served on the Nightingale prior to it being an ATC ship. Now, speaking for the rest of them who aren't, the Nightingale has a brig, and with a little bit of work, we fix it up, and for the time being, until we finished with our current objective I think that's where they stay because I refuse to be like the ATC.
2: I was going to suggest either you or Charles take the helm of the Night
1: There is like that weird shiver and that want, that desire to have his ship back, to be at the helm again but it's fleeting and he looks over to Charles and back to Jesse. Charles to complete our mission We will need all the firepower we can. Charles,
2: how do you feel about helming
1: the Nightingale? He looks at Jesse.
2: I have
0: leave to speak freely, sir. Go on. For my mental well-being and your physical one, I need to be as far away from you as humanly possible.
2: I will do right by you.
0: You can do right by me right now by staying the fuck away from me. Wayland. I Charles. Until we get close to the Reese, I want you with me. You know this ship inside and out. And I need at least one of you to be behind me, so I don't get
1: stabbed in the back. With your leave, Captain, I, I can certainly do that. Permission's granted.
0: Master Greywall, your first order of business is to gather everybody who belonged on the Nightingale and put them back. And then we will make way. I'm pretty sure there's nothing in their charter uh, stopping them from going anywhere on a red
1: dawn i am gathering all the spare clothes that we have and i am getting every single original members of the nightingale out of those fucking uniforms because fuck that shit
0: everyone who was a crew member on the nightingale who were in the brig are now back on the nightingale under charles's command with wayland as first mate Luciana flies over the ship, and you don't hear the tiny peep that she always makes. You don't hear the humming noise that she makes. You hear what sounds like hundreds of silver bells ringing in the air. Woof. This bird flies directly in front of Jesse. How big is she now in this form? The size of a crow. And is holding in her talons Jesse's hat. The bird is still white and silver as Luciana is still has the pale pink beak feet and the bubblegum to crimson eyes of the albino that she is.
2: Is that Lucy? The horn of Ifrit is home to many gifts. Lucy is no exception.
0: And she lets go of your hat into your hand and sits on your shoulder.
2: Thank you, darling.
0: Gives you a big nudge with her head, leans her shoulder into it, and then in the blink of an eye, she becomes tiny Luciana again. Darts off to wherever it is that she's going. To sleep. Yeah, to sleep, because that took a lot of energy.
1: As Wayland is gathering the clothes and everything for the members of Nightingale, he's in his quarters, and he's grabbing anything of his that he can, and he looks at the Avalonian flag that is hanging in his room, and he takes it down. He goes to Elliot. Elliot's walking off somewhere. He puts a hand on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, uh. Wayland, you gotta stop sneaking up on me.
1: <laughs> it's a bit of my forte. What's up? And he puts his arms around him. Uh, Thank you for coming back. Huh? Sorry, I... And he breaks away. Emotional. I'm really glad to see you again.
0: Elliot lays his head on your shoulder. Because again, he, he still doesn't really know how hugs work. I had a lot of time to think about your offer. And with everything that happened with the two queens... I realize that I still have so much more to learn, and I also realize that I'll be able to learn all that, everything that I could ever want to know. And he looks up at you and smiles, because you give me the time to do so. You let me learn. You let me ramble. You let me be. There's a certain freedom in that, that I've never had before. Now I know why Jesse covets it so much. I don't know how I can help. But I do want to help. And even if it's just my brains.
1: We'll figure it out together.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that because I hate doing research alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, ah! Uh,
0: speaking of research, when we
1: were at Lunaro Island, yes? the ships we saw on the water, yes, the Cyreneth.
0: Yes, what about them? Yes. They could fly. Darling, I know.
1: I need to know. I, so do. I. I have to know. My brain how is this a buzz. Listen, listen.
0: Are you going over to the Nightingale right now? I am. Now? I'm coming with I,
1: you. I'm happy to have you. Great.
0: Let's walk and talk. Get your stuff. Let's go. There's not a moment to lose.
1: As they are tearing down the flag of the ATC on the Nightingale, he looks to the flag and he looks to Charles. I think it's time that this flag saw wind. Don't you think? Charles looks down at it and nods. For queen and country. For queen and country. And he hands it to Charles. And he takes it.
0: And they raise the flag. <laughs> Jesse, the nightingale makes way and heads off without you. You'll be able to catch up to them very quickly tomorrow morning as they are weighing very low in the water. And your crew gets everything ready to make sail at first light.
2: I want everyone to know something. Something wildly important.
0: Everybody stops and looks at the captain.
2: Just because you are on my charter does not mean I will keep you here against your will. You always have a choice on my ship.
0: Jesse, you see Agnes and you watch as she twitches violently and her whole body jitters and she shakes her head and flees downstairs. You recognize that movement because Mad Maeve does it all the time.
2: Uh, Mama Coco?
0: Aye, Jesse.
2: You have the helm.
0: Good thing we're not going anywhere, but make sure you get packed quick. I don't like tempting Captain Ague like this.
2: Yeah, I'll be right back.
0: The camera cuts to down below decks as if it is sitting on a barrel beside the stairs. We watch as Agnes nearly tumbles down the last few steps and grabs her chest and a fistful of her hair, leaning heavy against one of the posts, breathing erratically. She shakes her head violently as if she is fighting with something internally and lifts her head up, staring at where her berth is. And she makes a mad dash for it, as though there is something there that she needs desperately. As we hear Jesse's boots come down the stairs and his coat passes by the camera, it goes black. I know, I know. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Contrary to popular belief, I care about these NPCs too. It breaks my heart to see little Agnes the way that she is. As for what befalls Agnes now, you're going to have to find out next time. Sorry. Until then. Remember that secrets are often sharper than the truth and cut much deeper. And be safe and well.